Welcome to Change of Plans. I'm Andres Zuleta. On Change of Plans, we feature stories of resilience and reinvention, interviewing entrepreneurs and other creative individuals who have found fun and inspiring ways to adapt to sudden unexpected challenges. My guest today is pizza expert Scott Wiener. When his New York City company, Scott's Pizza Tours, was forced to stop offering in-person experiences, Scott and his team pivoted quickly to find creative ways to keep the business alive by connecting with pizza lovers around the world. Scott, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. It's a real pleasure. Yeah, of course. I mean, I love what you all do, firstly, because like most people, I love pizza. I really, really love pizza. Um, But I was also inspired by your story because when this whole pandemic really started to affect the U.S., you were one of the first travel businesses I saw that really quickly altered your offerings to meet the moment. Um, But before we get into that story, I'm wondering if you could just take us back to when everything was normal and for listeners who aren't familiar with your company, just tell us a little bit about, you know, Scott's Pizza Tours and what you were doing. Well, back when things were normal, Scott's Pizza Tours would run somewhere between 10 and 15 tours per week where we would take our guests into some amazing pizzerias around New York City and introduce them to the old ovens and the dough fermentation methods and the cheese selection and tomato preparation methods and uh, basically unravel the history and the science and the culture of pizza by visiting some of the best places in the city. So it's a guided tour. We would do bus tours, we would do walking tours, and everything was in person and really exciting because you get to eat as you learn about the food itself. Yeah. And one of the things that struck me about your tours was, well, for one, having lived in New York for many years, um, some of the places that you feature on your tours are really unique and, uh, you know, more off the beaten path. So I think for a lot of people who are listening and haven't checked out your website yet, the idea of a pizza tour could sound kind of cheesy, no pun intended, seriously. Um, but you were offering something really, really unique. Yeah, it was really important for me from the very beginning that this was not a tour in the way that you might think of a tour that's for tourists and that uh, that excludes people who already know enough that don't need it. There's, this is really the use of the word tour is just because I couldn't figure out a better word for it. It's really an experience. It's more geared toward locals than anything because it's all about understanding the pizzerias that you have in front of you. And we tend to, living in New York, as you know, you tend to have your local pizzerias that you go to near where you work and near where you live. And in between, everything else is an adventure. That was in normal times. So obviously, the this whole thing happened gradually. But was there a moment when you realized that you were going to have to change your business model if if you wanted to survive? Yes. And I, it's funny when you say it happened kind of gradually, because from my perspective, it happened so fast. Because in the beginning of March, I was in Maryland for a few days teaching with a couple of pizza makers at a place called Pizza University, which do, they run classes for 
new or prospective pizzeria owners. And I remember being there while everything was starting to change around the country and travel was starting to be restricted. And by the time I got back to New York that weekend, everything was shut. That, that, that was the first move. It's just to let everybody know that we're, we're tucking it away. And there was really nothing else we could do right at that moment because we didn't know how long things would last. So it took a few days before I realized that, that we'd have to do something in the interim. And my first decision in terms of putting on online events or contact-free events didn't have anything to do with long-term. It was all totally, well, at least we can do this right now. <laughs> it, it, none of it was done with the long-term in mind. And actually the very first decision was, oh, well, we might be shut down for a few weeks. Or really at first I thought maybe a couple of weeks. <laughs> and I said, yeah, exactly. You know, it's all funny now because it's been months. But at first I thought, well, now I have this great opportunity. I'm finally going to, after 12 years, redo my entire website. And it looks that great, the, by the way. Oh, thanks so much. That was, that was decision number one. It was just like, great, all right. Let's use this time to redo the website when there's going to be little to no traffic going. And uh, so we did that. We got the new website up in a few weeks. And uh, then the next thing that we did was, well, I said, well, we may as well start doing something online, like do, do some cool lectures or things. Because on the tour, as you can imagine, people are more interested in the food than they are in talking about deep history. I can give them some history, but we got to get to the food. Now that we couldn't do a physical tour anymore, I was sending emails to all my customers who I had to cancel their tours and saying, well, I know you can't do the tour, but we're going to do these really low-priced, in-depth history lectures online. So you can sign up for that and do it from home and at least get a little taste of what you would have had on the tour from that. And that was really cool because I get to explain all this primary source research that I do about uh, pizza history in New York and beyond and all this cool science stuff. And we also started adding some pizza making classes because I get so many questions about pizza making. So we just said, you know, I sent out emails and texts to a bunch of friends and said, what online video platform is the one to use? I, at, at that point, this is crazy to think about this, that at that point, I had maybe barely ever touched or heard of Zoom which mm. now is ubiquitous. But I remember everybody saying, oh, well, it's Zoom. That's the one to do. And so I just started putting up things and figuring out how to use it on the go. And that, that was all done by the end of March. So like you said, it's been a couple of months. And from, you know, from looking at your website and your social media, it seems like you have a bunch of different types of online classes, virtual experiences. Um, which one or, you know, which one or two have been kind of the most impactful just business-wise? Well, none of it has really been great business-wise. Like, I, the, we're not going to sustain the business on any of these. And I don't think that, that the virtual online event is really something that a, a business my size can sustain and that can keep us going. I think it's good for the time. And the, the things that have been working the best have been uh, so different from what we do normally that I think that's what makes it so interesting and so viable because it doesn't take the place of our tours, but these weekend pizza making classes have been by far the most successful thing. And that's a two-part class. Part one is on Saturday where we make dough. 
Part two is on Sunday where we bake it, where we learn how to stretch, top, and bake it. And you can sign up for one of them or you can sign up for both of them. It's really fun. It's about an hour and a half long. And we, we get a great group of people who sign up. It's a range from people who've never touched flour before to professional pizza makers. And they might be a pizza maker of one style. And then when they see what I'm doing at home, they're like, oh, that's totally different from what I'm doing. And I kind of like the way that looks and the way he's describing it. Maybe I can get something from it. And the thing that you know from cooking is anytime you see anybody else do it, you learn something. Yeah, it sounds amazing. Um, just hearing your tone, I mean, you sound calm and positive, but you were mentioning how none of these ideas have really would really sustain your business. So I'm just wondering, you know, how you see some of these ideas evolving into the future. And, you know, do you think that any of these new projects that you've started in this unusual time will persist alongside your normal offerings in the future? Yeah, I do think that there is a high likelihood that we'll have some kind of an online course component at some point because we're able to use those lectures to complement what we do in person on the tour, where again, I can't show somebody blueprints of a coal-fired oven on the live tour just because it's a bunch of people who want to eat. But online, I can show you archival photos that aren't published, and I can show you blueprints that I found in the archives of the city, and all that stuff is so cool, and it's so much more niche than an already niche tour. And I think that we'll definitely do that. Like Everything right now has been testing. Every single thing that we do is a test. Like I started almost immediately. I'm, I'm actually looking at my calendar right now just to refresh my memory of what the heck happened. And I see on March 23rd, I kicked off a daily starter making program. So on Instagram at 11 o'clock every day, I would, I would do the next step of maintaining or building and maintaining a sourdough starter. Mm-hmm. And that was great. So I might, I might start doing a, uh, like a starter making class online where every day it's a 25 minute class and you sign up for a 10 day subscription to it. And I'm really exploring the idea of subscription video where you can sign up for the starter making, you can sign up for a pizza making component, you can sign up for a pizza history lecture series, you can sign up for, you know, pizzeria owner interviews. Like I might have fun little segments like that where it's really low price, but it's just something that you can, like you can have, like you have your Netflix account. Well, maybe for five bucks a month, you have total access to whatever recurring pizza content we've got going on. Where do all these ideas come from? Because, you know, for a lot of people, and I'm sure yourself included, the past couple of months have also had a lot of stress and uncertainty. So when things are so up in the air, how do you find yourself being able to not just come up with so many different ideas, but actually implement them? Well, I think that everybody deals with these things totally differently. And the way that I tend to deal with the drama and the stress of all of it is I try to immediately come up with solutions. So this is the time where I do come up with ideas is when there's, when there's trouble, because in, in some way there's ultimate freedom to being in such a bizarre and uncertain time. So nobody, the expectations are really off from what they were a few months ago, where it used to be like, oh, your business has to consistently grow. And that's how we know if it's successful. And right now, 
the expectations aren't there. So it's like, okay, great. We have this freedom to do whatever. And I just try to ignore the stress of, well, I need to, mm. I need to pay, pay my bills. That's, that's the tougher part. But there's tons of opportunity out there. And I've never really have time to explore those opportunities. And right now it seems like if I have nothing else, it's, there's time. So you were talking about how the expectations have changed. And I mean, how do you measure success currently? The success for me was keeping everybody engaged, everybody on my team and also our audience. And the way that I keep everybody engaged is, well, let's set up some of these cool classes that any of my tour guides can run. I can at least pay them something to do it and then hopefully just sell enough tickets to be able to cover that. That to me is success. The fact that we can just continue to generate some content and keep people engaged. Yeah, it's so interesting how we're so adaptable. <laughs> yeah, and I think we forget about that, that like at a time like this where it's the whole world, it's not like it's just Brooklyn or just New York City or just New York State or just the East Coast. It's everybody. We're all dealing with it. Uh, the best thing you can do is to slow things down and concentrate on the things that are important. and. And if you're like, I think I'm in a fortunate enough spot where we were doing a really great job and successful and we did everything totally organically for 12 years. And now having to pause is the first time I'm really noticing, wow, did we have it going really well? <laughs> so uh, now it's not about, okay, how do we snap right back to that point? It's more like, okay, how do we change things? What are we? We're not just a tour company. We never really were. We're a pizza education company, and we can do that without running a tour of 30 people in a school bus every Sunday. I love the idea of pizza education. Yeah, and it's funny because it sounds so silly, but you know, we do these lectures, and people after the lecture that's an hour and a half long, people want to sit there and continue to talk about it. And it's like, yeah, of course we can. There's little subcultures for everything online. and Pizza is, of all foods, the thing that most people can agree on that they enjoy. And it's also the thing that most people don't understand the depth of what makes it interesting, that there's mm. history, culture. When I first learned that there was such a thing as a hundred-year-old pizzeria, I, I, I was baffled. Like, what are you talking about? Once I, once I realized that not all pizza was the kind that I grew up with, that opened my mind. And every time you find something that seems mundane and you expose its inner workings, that's when it's interesting. Uh, something that I've been concentrating on now that, that I'm stuck in my apartment all the time is I, I collect pizza boxes. It's like one of my little side things within the pizza obsession. And I also happen to have a Guinness World Record for my collection of pizza boxes. And this has given me an opportunity to share that collection with video conferencing to whoever wants to see it so i can do little fun events every once in a while where i feature the collection and why not like that's that's not part of my tour but it's a way to keep the audience engaged and let them know oh here's a cool way to see what's going on in my apartment with this collection of pizza boxes that maybe you read about but you only looked at it when i showed it to you on my phone on a pizza tour now i can show you all the boxes they're all cataloged they're all photographed they're all clean they're all safe that's it's cool. not, yeah, I mean, it throws people off because when you think about somebody saving pizza boxes, you immediately assume that they're used and they're all the same and this person's gross. But these are from uh, 
over a hundred different countries. There are beautiful artwork on them. They're not just all the same printing. They're really special. That's super cool. Um, so how are you wrapping your head around planning for you know the near future? Well, I'm making lists every day about what is tourism going to look like when things reopen. And we do have some time. Like New York City is going to go through a four-phase reopening process. And there's some comfort in the fact that I've got time to deal with this. And also, also I, um, I know we're talking about pizza tours and all that, but right when this all hit, I started concentrating pretty deeply on another thing that I work on, which is a nonprofit called Slice Out Hunger. And that, that's a nonprofit that raises money for hunger relief organizations around the country through pizza-related campaigns and events. So where in the past, that organization, which I run also out of my kitchen, essentially, that organization was always about running these campaigns and these events that raised some money for a food bank for New York City or for No Kid Hungry or an organization like that that fights hunger. We talk about pivoting. That organization immediately started working with a uh, pizza ordering website in order to send pizza to frontline healthcare workers and first responders around the country. So we launched a campaign called Pizza versus Pandemic on March 21st and immediately started raising money through our website and then through corporate sponsorships and high-level partnerships and sending pizza, buying pizza from independent restaurants, so helping them out, and then having them deliver it to healthcare workers and first responders, so helping them out. And that organization has taken off. I mean, we've raised almost $600,000 and uh, sent over 26,000 pizzas to 1,150 hospitals around the country in nine weeks. So um, it's grown totally organically because when we're in a crisis mode, I really think people, people in crisis have the, you know, two options. You can freeze and do nothing or you can get really active. And I think right now, a lot of people have been doing their best to be active, even though they know they can't leave their homes. What advice would you have for um, other business owners who aren't quite finding the inspiration to be as active as you've been? Well, I, I think the first thing to do is to don't be afraid to throw something at the wall. Just test it. The, the distance between uh, what you're doing and falling flat on the ground is not very far. So if you want to try putting up uh, some kind of weird way to deliver your product or maybe a, a, an unusual version of your product, just try it out. Like, let it boil down to what you are. Like If you're a, a store that sells plants, can you start offering some service that, that you do virtual home visits and you help people take care of their house plants? I mean, I would pay 10 bucks to walk around with my laptop and show you all my plants and have you say, oh, water that one twice a week. <laughs> <laughs> Prune that one more often. You know what I mean? Like I'm just making it up as I'm sitting here. But I think like throwing things at the wall, remember what you're there for. You're not there to sell a widget. You're there to, to do something that's bigger. And then the second thing I would say is really a piece of advice I'm giving to myself right now, because I don't do this very well, but is to really listen to what works and follow the data and continue with the things that are clicking 
and don't be afraid to ditch the things that aren't. And if it fails, it's okay. We're on to the next thing. There's way bigger problems in the world right now. So for our listeners around the U.S. and also in other countries, what's the best way for them to support you? Uh, the best way is to check out what we have going on at the brand new scottspizzatours.com and also to visit what's happening with Slice Out Hunger at sliceouthunger.org. Those are the two things that I have going on and the two things that are really important, uh, particularly Slice Out Hunger, because right now food insecurity is only going up and it's going up quickly. So we really need to do something to help out our neighbors. And the thing that Slice Out Hunger will be able to do is to feed them. And also, I always recommend people check out uh, what Scott's Pizza Tours and Slice Out Hunger are doing on Instagram, which is just their names. That's the whole handle. Nothing complicated. Thank you so much for taking the time. It's been really great to hear about um, Scott's Pizza Tours and also um, to learn about Slice Out Hunger. Thank you. It's really been a pleasure. Check the show notes to learn more about Scott and the great work he's doing at Scott's Pizza Tours and Slice Out Hunger. If this episode inspired you, please share it with a friend and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more, visit changeofplanspodcast.com. That's all for today. Thanks for tuning in.